1: Joining us on the podcast once again to help us preview every aspect of the 2022 U.S. Open Women's Singles Draw is a returning champion here on our Cracked Racket Shows. Again, you know his work from the Action Network, the All About Tennis blog, Last Word on Tennis, our website, Cracked Rackets. Of course, again, he appears on these podcasts just about every month. It is our friend David Gertler. David, it's been a full five minutes since we finished our preview of the top half. I missed you, my friend. Welcome back to the show in these five minutes do you remain as excited about this 2022 u.s open
0: yep i just took a quick bathroom break and now <laughs> I, I switched locations and uh i haven't seen any uh roaches running around my floor so i have a my my apartment i've been work has had a roach problem uh aye, aye. Boston, I, and so i always am now like whenever like i every room i enter i Like, scan the floor first to make sure I don't see see any. Um, but the coast is clear. I am now in my bedroom as opposed to the living room, and I am ready to go.
1: I will say, you look refreshed, my friend. Um, no, again, it's we're gonna pick off where we left off. And if you listen to our top half preview, you heard us talk. Big picture in a vacuum, the players we are most interested in. We also ran through each of the top two quarters of the draw. In this case, it's the Shiantic and Bedosa quarters in the top half. We talked about the matchups we're most interested in. We talked about the seeds we thought were on upset alert, who we ultimately thought was going to advance. Now, again, let's get right into this bottom half of the draw. We'll start with the Maria Sakari quarter. This is the quarter of death, David. This is the single quarter of the draw I am most fascinated in, and it's because of the seeds. The contenders we have in this section, obviously, again, it's not Sakari, who I'm most scared of. It's number 7 seed and Canada champion Simona Halep. It's Coco Goff, who's just always in the mix at the big events. It's Cincinnati semifinalist Madison Keys. It's Cincinnati champion Caroline Garcia, Toronto finalist Beatriz Haddad Maya. They're all... In this section of the draw, you've also got a player in Jill Teichman, your number 30 seed, who, when she plays her best, she's top five in top 20 wins here in this 2022 season. This is my favorite quarter of the draw. David, let's start big picture. Who are the three contenders you are most confident in in this section?
0: Keys first.
1: Ooh, why? I'm going to stop you there. Why?
0: I really liked how she played in... uh... Well, first off, I trust her to hold up physically more than I trust Halle. Um Interesting. I think that I really like how she played in Cincinnati. She's made the U.S. Open final before. I think that she's back in a groove, and we saw in Australia what happens when she's in a groove, and she went on a deep run there, and it took only the best player in the world, uh, Ashley Barty, to beat her. Uh, otherwise, I think she might have... Won the title. Uh, so
1: I agree with you in the sense that we have seen Madison Keys be that good already this season. And it's worth reminding everyone, despite the lackluster clay court season and you know not accumulating that many points on the grass, Madison Keys is 11th in the points race. And so much of that is predicated on the success she had in Australia to start the year. and To see her regain that form in Cincinnati, where she does finally seem to be healthy and playing her best tennis. She is one of those players, as we talked about in part one, the power tennis country club, the tennis she's capable of playing is just better than so many of her opponents. And so, yeah, I think she is fascinating per uh, a p- player in this section of the draw. She would not be my number one, but I'm curious, who's your number two before I get into my number one? Uh, Carol- uh, she would be someone, by the way, who would be in. Actually, I don't even think she's in my top three, but Caroline Garcia. Oh. Well, so, yeah, do you want to hear? No, no, no go ahead, Caroline Garcia. Well, too. no, I, Caroline I, Garcia.
0: I, okay, yeah. So, Caroline Garcia. The reason why I have her below keys is because I still just have in the in my gut, and I don't know. I don't know if this is me just overthinking it, but she just still. I don't love her return positioning, and I just don't. I think at some point, her low margin tennis, more so than even Madison Keys, is going to crack. Um, and so that's why she's at two instead of one, but I have to put her the result. Yeah. You can't deny Same thing with Simona Halep, who was number three for me. You can't deny the, you can't deny the results. Um, and Halep won Toronto and Garcia won Cincinnati, even though in Halep's case, I really didn't think she played that well.
1: So Simona Halep's my overall number one. And I think she is my number one contender to enter this U S open and spoiler alert. She's my pick to win wow. the US Open. And Holy it starts cow. with the fact you look for Simona Halep again. She is along with Iga Swiatek, one of just two players to rank top 10 in both hold and break percentage. You look for Halep this season she's holding 74.8% of the time. That's a career high for her. She's what, you know, 31 years old at the end of September. She's holding serve at a career high, which is what you want to see from a player later in their career. They become more efficient with their first serve, more powerful with it, and, you know, again, better with their plays behind it, and I think the eye test would suggest she has been throughout the course of this season. You also look for her. She's 39-10 overall in the year, David. She's winning 80% of her matches. That would be a career high for her in a single season, and her best number since 2018, you Numbers wise, break percentage is still above her career average. You look for her in terms of quarterfinals she's reached. She's played ten total events this season. She's reached eight quarterfinals, and she's done it in Indian Wells, Madrid, Wimbledon, Toronto, Dubai. Five of the you know ten biggest events on the calendar. Now, does she have some puzzling losses around along the way? Certainly. That said, I just disagree with you about your physical comment. I like I trust Simona Halep physically more than any player on the on the WTA tour right now, and I think her floor is higher than any player on the WTA I tour. I was there in Cincinnati when she beat Potapova. She won that match on sheer force of will. Because she was drained physically, and yet she still found a way. Like point, she was hobbling in between points, and yet at the moment the point starts, she just doesn't have any quit in her. And I just think she is going to beat everyone she's supposed to beat. Now you look at her section of the draw. You know she's got Daria Sneger, uh, round number one, and then the winner of Freak Mar- Manorino, uh Excuse me, Marino, round two. I think she should get to round number three. I know Marino's got weapons, but I don't think any of those players have big enough weapons or are consistent enough to beat her. I think she gets into round number three pretty comfortably. Then you look at round number four. Let's say it is Jill Teichman playing her best tennis and she's healthy. I love Halep against lefties. Uh, you yeah. know, again, with her back end and you look for Simona Halep in her career. And as always, credit our friends at Tennis Abstract who allow us to pull these things up so easily. Three and one this season, 54-19 and overall in her career. I mean, come on now. Again, lefty into her backhand. The matchup speaks for itself. I think she's getting to the fourth round. And when I look at the bottom half of this draw or every other section, I think they're all beating each other up. And I think she has the easiest path before she has to face those players. And so, again, that's why she's my unequivocal number one. Did I talk you into raising her up on the list? No,
0: but I I do (laughs) not. But I do think, I do see, I do agree with you that she has a higher floor than anyone else. I think what you're going to see with most of my picks is I'm very much, you talked in the last episode about Serena Williams' country club versus the more reliable players. And I think, as we saw in the last episode, I have Rabakina winning it all. Um, I'm falling in this tournament more and... Again, if you know me, I love the grinders. I love your Cerebus, Tormo, Arani, of the world. I'm falling more into the Serena Williams power Cl- country Club with this tournament because I have keys beating her. In, in well, this. can
1: I ask why? What is it about that tennis that, that? Because I've talked about why it appeals to me, but I think sometimes it's fun to have our listeners here, other people talk about it. What is it about that Serena Williams Power Tennis Country Club? Which, by the way, if you want a seat on the board, I can tell you more about the club. You know, Ostapenko's yeah. the corner house where some Halloweens it's like she doesn't turn <laughs> the lights on, but sometimes she goes really hard. Kavita's obviously got property. Osaka has property. You know, there are some players you point to who play that. Oh, Rabakina now, she was someone we had have weekend privileges. Now she's got, oh. obviously, well, she won a slam, so she has yeah. to have a house. So she's in, you know, I think Sabalenka, Anisimova, Samsonova, all right now can hang out, but they don't have houses yet, but they can come hang yeah. out They're Yeah, exactly. One of they're, them, yeah. <laughs> well, that's why they can come hang out, because it's like, we're scouting you. It's like, we have yeah. our eyes on you. But what is it about that tennis that appeals to you? It, Why well, does it successful? A, it doesn't appeal to me. No, 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 but I mean, in terms of success,
0: because ultimately, I think again, I mentioned this a little bit in the last episode, is that in women's tennis, there are very few players that can take that can a win three points on their first, on their serve consistently, and b can from the baseline take the racket out of out of your hands, like we saw with Kvitova in Cincinnati when she mm-hmm. just obliterated Kerstia. Kerstia didn't even play that poorly. And it didn't matter. Uh, same with Ons Jabor. Ons Jabor did struggle against McNally, but in the first round or in their first match, but they just take the racket out of your hand. So when they're playing well, there's nothing uh, with Keys is playing near her best in that fourth round, especially given that I thought that Halep looked a little meek in Toronto or she didn't get great death. Uh, her balls were sitting up. She kind of won that tournament. I felt a little bit because of her higher floor as opposed to and just no one can match it, honestly. Um Pagula was close, but then she imploded. Um anyways, I think that Key I I just think that Keyes can take the racket out of help's hands and there's nothing Halep can do about it. When she's playing well, she's playing at home. I she's and if she's in if she makes the round of sixteen and she beats Coco Goff, she beats Camilla Georgie, she beats Diana Yastremska, it means that she's gonna be playing at a level that I don't think at least based on what we saw in Toronto, can compete at.
1: So you think Keys can do it five matches in a row?
0: She did it in – she made the semis of Australia, right? She did.
1: So you think she can do it again? She's always been a big slam player, obviously a finalist at the U.S. Open back in 2017. It's a strong argument to make. I get why you have her in the top three, and certainly her run in Cincinnati beating Iga in straight sets the way she did, taking the racket out of Iga's hands, beating Rabakina in straights, even the three-set loss to Kvitova, you know, two players playing their best power tennis. I get why she's in your top three. And again, I call this the section of death. It's really hard to find the three players. Um, You know, if she's not three, she's four for me. I think the names I look to, and again, Keys has to be one of them. Hadad Maya Garcia-Goth. The, that's the and oh, by the way, yeah. another name who's just floating in here casually. What about Bianca Andrescu? Because that is a big name, and uh, and you know we can get back to the seeds in a second as we look forward towards the draw. But where are you with Andrescu coming into this? You look for Andrescu makes you know loses first round to Shelby Rogers in San Jose, but Shelby played so well there. Then you know the wins over Kasakina, Cornet before a tight three set loss to Junction when a very winnable round 1 match against Harmony Tan. Now the question is again how healthy is she? But I mean, an Andrescu Hadad Maya round 2 matchup has the opportunity for fireworks.
0: Yeah, so Andrescu, let's be honest, she pulled out of Cincinnati because she didn't feel like playing. Um I don't know about it, that. But well go that on. was the they said, well, it was personal reasons or there was something like it was something very, very questionable. I I don't say that to rag on her, but i I say that because I'm not out of I remember I t- talked about Costic's injury concern. Sure. It, I think it was the same thing. It was very, very, you know, if there was legitimate, it was very preventative. Sure. Preventative. So i'm not worried about that and she got a great draw because harmony tan is no threat to her um i think that tan's wimbledon run was the fluke of all flukes um yeah. with that said how may have taken on andrisku that is tough and andrisku we just never know i mean she was She's meant, you know, she always seems to have some sort of theatrics on the court, but yet she always seems like in the Casaquina match in Toronto, and she always seems to come through. Well, let's
1: play a win, uh, a game of good win, bad loss. Let's okay. look for our good, excuse me, you know what I mean, good loss, bad loss. Yeah, yeah. As we look for Andrescu, 14 and 9 overall in the year, mm-hmm. Sabalenka, three sets, Stuttgart. Good loss, uh, bad loss. How, Indoor how clay. How many, how
0: many double faults does Sabalenka have?
1: I don't have it in front of me. But okay. again, 613662. I would say clay.
0: I would say if Sabalenka did not hit her or I'll say yes, it's a good win. It's not, I mean it's a good loss. Yeah,
1: yes. particularly given the how few matches on clay you had played, yeah. that was her first, you know, again tournament of the season. I think it's a fine loss. Pagula 5 and 1 Madrid.
0: I think she could have been more competitive, but overall it's a good loss.
1: I agree with you. Iga 6 and 0 in Rome.
0: I remember that match. Uh, it was loss. a
1: good loss. The first set was exceptional. Now, physically, yeah. she wore down in the end, but that first set was really, really good. Yeah. Benchich two and four, second round Roland Garros.
0: I don't think that's a. I I, I think that's in the middle because she I agree. should have lost. But, I mean, two and four, I would have expected a little better.
1: Especially after that Rome performance, you put it perfectly. Seven, six in the third, Pliskova, Berlin. Bad loss. Bad loss, only well, because no. she should have. No, bad loss because she should have f- won the match. Yes, like that, that was. Means- a t- she had her chances. She.
0: She wins that match nine times out of ten.
1: A hundred percent. She served for it, right? I want to say 5-3. Yes,
0: and she was dominating. I think she had won like 16 straight service points. Yeah, and
1: she hit a zone there where you were like, oh my God, she's back. And then for her, and credit to Pliskova, who served her way into that match. And Pliskova has played slowly better and better. So big picture. Not a bad loss, but a bad loss given the context of she should have freaking won it. Definitely. Garcia, 6-7, 6-4, 6-4, Bad Hamburg final.
0: I think it's in the middle because that's another match. I think she should have won, um, and she kind of let it slip.
1: Not as bad as the Pliskova loss. Garcia served really well. I think it's a good loss.
0: Okay. Rubakovina
1: four and six Wimbledon. Good loss. Agreed. Rogers four and two San Jose. Bad loss. Middle, but lean bad. I agree. Junction went three sets Toronto. Middle. Agreed, because Corne was such a physical match. Kasakina was a physical match. She didn't play her best, but she competed really well.
0: Yeah, but I, yeah, but I mean, the and the reason it's not a good loss is because Indriescu I know can play better than that.
1: So of the nine losses, Rogers in San Jose and Pliskova in Berlin. That's it. Those are two bad losses this year. And the reason I bring this up is like, if she catches fire. Are you afraid? It's her versus Haddad Maya. Who are you picking if Andrescu plays well?
0: If, Andr- uh, if Andrescu plays well, and you know what, I'm actually going to change it on my on my draw. Right. Well, now. I think my, that
1: yeah. match goes three sets no matter what. Like yeah. just pencil it in for three sets. But I think it's three sets. Like I don't think Haddad Maya is a definitive favorite.
0: No, definitely not. No way. And then again, but I I'm not that high on Hadad Maya, so
1: Yeah, I am. I mean Beatrice Haddad Maya, that match would be the ultimate test of Andrescu physically and the problem for her after that is very likely it would be Caroline Garcia, who just again yeah. if you have dead legs, tracking down that plus one ball from her is miserable. I think we had to talk about Andrescu like that because she is the dark horse of dark horses in this section uh, and really the one you look at most closely. After that, you know, again, as you look at the seeds here, I mentioned it. Haddad Maya, Garcia, Keys, Goff. Which of them get the furthest?
0: Um, Keys. Uh, Yeah, Keys.
1: So why her over Garcia? What is it about Garcia?
0: I just think and I just... Trust Keys' power tennis more. Honestly, I don't. This comes back to what I said before. I don't. I think that Caroline Garcia, if they were to play in the, uh, I believe it be would it be the quarterfinals, if they were to play in the quarterfinals, I don't think Garcia a habit of trying to stand at the service line, not at the service line, but you know what I mean. Uh, trying to return Keys serve would be effective at all. I think that Keys just has a more reliable power game. Okay. In it. In, Maybe, like, in... What am I trying to say? Long-term, like, if they play 10 times, I trust Keys's power game to win out more often.
1: My counter would be... Garcia, you look at hold percent again because we're talking about strength on strength hold percentage this season. Caroline Garcia ranks first in hold percentage amongst top fifty does, players. Does she's that holding serve seventy nine point eight percent of the time? Madison Keys is currently uh thirteenth on that list, and she's holding serve seventy four percent of the is time, that... which is an extraordinary number. But I'm just pointing that out no. there. Garcia's best has been better than Keys' best this year.
0: What does that account for level of competition?
1: Yeah, I mean, it just is across matches. So you want against top 20 players?
0: That'd be interesting, yeah.
1: Okay, I like you. I like how your brain works. Right now, against top twenty players, very good question. Caroline Garcia currently ranks tenth against top twenty players. Now okay. she's only played eight matches against top twenty players. Her hold percentage holds uh, falls from seventy nine point eight to seventy three point five. But that seventy three point five number again, tenth uh, in terms of players against top twenty players this season. Madison Keys uh, is all the way down, all the way down. I said she's twenty second okay. against top twenty players. She's played thirteen matches against top 20 players eight and five against them so you know she's played five more matches than Garcia has at the same time similar records Garcia's best is still you know again his, her strength has been better against the best players than Keys is this season very good question though see now this is why we always have you
0: and, then, and then that's a great point and I don't have much of a counter except for that I think that Keys have it's just more – I just trust her more in a major. No, and
1: justifiably yeah. so. As again, the track record, the pedigree, more semifinals for Madison yeah. Keys at majors and singles. than Caroline Garcia, more success. And they're very similar in age. Caroline Garcia, who by the way currently sits at ninth in the points race, 28 years old. Madison Keys, 11th in the point race, 27 years old. Of course I say point race, not rankings because that point race a more accurate barometer of what's happened this season. I would go Halep one, Garcia two. Have you talked me into Keys 3? David, you have. You've Not talked to me that keys number three. Um, but for all the reasons stated above, again, Caroline Garcia, just a reminder of what she's accomplished over the course since the start of the grass court season, which, uh, again, that was back what? Well, should I, I'll, I'll go since the start of Bad Homburg because, obviously, she wins that Bad Homburg title uh, prior to Wimbledon and has just been on a remarkable run ever since. You look for Caroline Garcia, again, she's 26-4. and four over her last 30 matches her losses is five and two to boost Kovac at Wimbledon good win bad uh, good loss bad loss
0: um bad loss because on on grass I think that she should be beating boost on grass
1: I would agree but I have to counter and say it was her ninth match in 13 days which is a scheduling thing but yeah. given her ranking she needed you know what was more valuable to her getting more points under her belt so that she can get into all the big events like Cincinnati and Canada or doing well at the major. I would argue it was the former, not the latter, because she needs to solidify a top 60 spot at the time, not worry about competing in majors, which is the big picture thing. But I, like, that's a schedule loss, not a bad well, loss.
0: Well, if you have a day off in between best of three and a major, I don't, you know, I, you shouldn't be that tired.
1: See, I just think, again, I would say schedule loss, which I, I, I see. What yeah. Okay. Yeah. Martich on clay, three sets. Medium. Yeah, I don't really care about that loss. Bronzetti three sets Palermo.
0: I saw that match. She was terrible. Bad okay.
1: loss. Okay, I take your word. Uh, Cornet Toronto. For she then wins Warsaw. By the way, beats yeah. Sviantec. Cornet first round Toronto. First hard court match for her in X amount of months.
0: Medium. I mean, she no. I, I'll say I won't say I can't say it's a good loss. Because it's like, you know, she's not playing a top player, but I do see the context of changing surfaces and Cornet being just a really tough player to hit through. Here's the deal though with her. Let's Cornet, Bronzetti got a lot of balls back into play. Those are the types of Uskova gets a lot of balls back into play. And so if we look at her draw, Rocky Mova is easy, to be honest. Rocky Mova was terrible. Or not terrible, but she was not great against Andreva in Grand in uh, U.S. Open Qualifiers. Kalinskaya, if she plays Andriescu, now you're now I'm starting to get talked into. If she plays Bianca Andriescu, I would have. Oh man, that would be interesting because Andriescu can make her work.
1: Yeah, my thing is, I think had and Maya beat each other up, and yeah. I think Garcia, by virtue of getting to that match relatively unscathed, it just gets through that. And so that's why she's my number two. And then you look at that bottom quarter, and again, we're talking dark horses. I love Ann Lee. She just hasn't been healthy this season. I love Diane Perry, who reached her first tour-level semifinal oh, last week you know. in Canada. Yeah, I mean, but oh, my God. She's she's Justine and in 85%. Like she can't swing through the backhand quite as well, but she is an athlete. And her forehand, her ability to move forward, David, I'm all in on Diane Perry. But
0: Wong's lefty game to her backhand, that's going to be tough.
1: Uh, It's my favorite first round matchup in this section. I'm fascinated by it. I I, like, again, it's a nerd one, but it's, it's, I got to show my roots every so often, David. And so that's my favorite (laughs) first round matchup. Those, I mean, all right, here's a hot take for you. Perry over Sakari. You like it?
0: I don't think that Perry gets to soccer.
1: You think that you don't like the matchup? You think, okay, so Wang Xiu over soccer
0: I, I think it's possible. I'm low on Sakari, but I'm not that low.
1: <laughs> okay, interesting. So let's talk about the number three seed quickly before we make predictions. Where are you with Maria Sakari this season? And as you contemplate your thoughts, just some stats for our listeners. You look for Maria Sakari. She's 28 and 17 losses to Pliskova Garcia in Cincinnati, Toronto, respectively. By the way, Garcia again 26 and four goes through qualifying to win that Cincinnati title. Uh, 20 and 17 overall for Soccery this season, you know, lost second round Roland Garros, third round Wimbledon, did reach the round of 16 in Australia before a loss to Pagula. She hasn't reached a final since Indian Wells. She's only reached one semifinal since then as well. Losses. Oh, I forgot the Shelby Rogers first round loss uh, in San Jose. Now, again, context being key, Garcia, Pliskova, Rogers all went on to do big things in each of those events. But what do each of those players do? Elite power tennis. And David, we talked about Serena Williams power tennis already. Not
0: elite for Rogers.
1: Oh, Shelby Rogers plays elite power tennis. Now, it's, no, now I'm not, now the rest of her game isn't elite, but like her power tennis is. Yes,
0: but I think that matchup, was more about Soccery being bad than Rogers being good.
1: Oh I I mean Shelby played so well in San Jose. I seed your point. I don't seed it. I see a little it. both. It's both. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean again, you at the same time it's a really nice section for her because you're not that scared of Risk. You're not about- that scared of Wang Shiyu, communist. Oh,
0: hold, hold on. We who who beat her in Wimbledon?
1: Was it Ally Risk? no it was tatiana maria her first round match okay sure well a little revenge on the mind yes but do you i mean and i think
0: and i do think she wins that match but for me it's like she played so bad against rogers she should not have went to even a third set against pliskova Pliskova choked that second set badly horribly and then in uh cincinnati yes she she faded and the most you know Sakara and Zachary looked so fit, but she faded in the third set against Garcia. I just have zero trust in her. And she did get, I think she got a pretty good section, at least until risk. I mean, I guess if you're having Allison risk in the third round, that's not that horrible, but I, for at least, you know, for the first few rounds, I just don't, you trust her. Do you trust her?
1: The thing is, and again, we're not going to do it for her whole season, I don't think Garcia in three sets is a bad loss in Cincinnati. I don't think Pliskova in three sets is a bad loss in Toronto. Maria and Rogers losses were left. Kalanina, three sets. Eastbourne, not the greatest. Benchich Berlin, though, three sets, not bad. Haddad, Maya, Nottingham, three sets, not bad. Mukova, six and six at the French Open. Mukova played great in that match. I didn't think it was bad. You know, Jabour in Rome, Kasakina in Madrid, both of those matches, three sets. Maria Sakkari's going three sets. She's another one of those players who's just going to be in the mix. She'll do enough things well to keep herself competitive. At the same time, I agree. I think the power tennis players have a definitive edge on her. And so I would take Garcia over Sakari in the quarterfinals, even if that does feel a little bit hot takey. I mean, again— you're right. I don't have the most faith in her. I think her section is open. I think she should get to the fourth round, but then I think all the names in this section of death are a little bit more dangerous moving forward. I would, I, I would pick all of them above her.
0: I agree. Uh, yeah, but, I totally
1: agree. All right, with that, we'll make predictions in a moment. Any favorite first-round gems we haven't discussed? Konya, uh, I, I was,
0: was going to say uh, no, because I think Kunhu is not going to be competitive. Um, But I do think that I I do want to see the rematch between Sakari and Tatiana Maria, because Tatiana Maria kind of made Sakari look a little stupid at Wimbledon, you know, like, not, not like stupid, but you know, she kind of with all of her game, she kind of, to put it, I know you love this word, befuddled (laughs) Sakari in that Wimbledon match. So I'm kind of curious what did, and now obviously it's off of grass, but like what it's that's exactly
1: the difference. I just yeah. think is gonna move better and be more prepared for all the funk that Maria will throw at her. Um Leah Sorio is a fun one. I think it just the you in enough. general, seeing how well she's gonna play. Yastreemska is always entertaining against Keys. Who knows what that match is gonna look like? But again, I think this section gets more interesting as it goes along. With that in mind, predictions. Quarters, who who advances to the semis?
0: Um, I have Keys over Garcia.
1: Okay. You're going Keys to the semifinals. You don't feel that's too hot taking off of Cincinnati. You, you think she's healthy?
0: I think that you know honestly this draw. Is I mean so that's amazing. literally a
1: Cincinnati take for the record.
0: Yeah, yes. I, I I would say that with the draw this open, I don't think you know. You mentioned Golf, you know Keys, Halep, Garcia. I think any of them are good picks. You know. Mm-hmm. Out of those four, I think that any four I can just I can see justified.
1: Yeah. Well, I'm going to take Callip, as I mentioned. I think she I mean, I don't think she is my pick to win this event. I mean, to take Garcia, 26 and four is really freaking good. And when I look at her section again, Hadad Maya is going to scrap and claw. And I think Beatrice Hadamaya is playing so extraordinarily well. You look for her even in Cincinnati to lose to Ostapenko 4-4. Four four. She didn't play bad in that match. And, again, she's now 43-17 and 17 overall in the year. She's won over 100 matches since August 2020. She is. she is a workhorse. And, you know, she's had a week off, two weeks off since Cincinnati. She will be fit. She will be ready She can play plus one tennis. She can extend rallies. Her lefty slice into your body and plus one forehand to the open court is just an effective combination. She's comfortable moving forward. She's in the fight. Boy, her and Andrescu second round. I hope they make that a night match on Ash because that's going to be really, really fun. They won't. (laughs) Yeah, they won't, but it would be very fun.
0: (sighs) But I, yeah.
1: I'm just thinking. Well, sorry, go ahead.
0: I was just going to say that you mentioned the uh, rest, which is so important because coming into the French Open, where she was similarly heralded, she did not have that rest. That I, I don't think she did. Or at Wimbledon, problems.
1: you mean Wimbledon? Yeah.
0: It might have been both, though. Honestly, well,
1: Wimbledon, she'd played the three weeks prior and goes yeah, final, yeah, fi- you know, yeah, title, title, semifinal. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, yeah,
0: that's exactly, and she didn't. So people got the expectations up, and then she crashed out early. But it's you're right; the rest is definitely different, and. I would love to see that second rounder against Andreescu. What were you going to say? You
1: paused. So that's no. Not- I'm just thinking, am I going to go Haddad Maya, or Andrescu? I'm taking the winner of that match. I think Andrescu's more likely to beat Garcia and do it back to back. I'm going Bianca. You know what? Let's roll the dice. I'll take Bianca Andrescu, be a little bit spicy here. Uh, but then I think her run comes to an end against Halep in the quarterfinals. And Halep ultimately advances to the semis. Hey, Cracked fans. stays tacky longer than any other grip you'll find out there. And if you tell your opponent, what do I use on my racket? I use the attack, You're going to be attacking with that mega Megatack from start to finish. If you've seen anything we do at Crack Rackets, you know I'm a hairy guy. As you can imagine, I sweat when I play. The only grip that works for me is the Turn of Tennis grip. Of course, the mega Megatack taking things to the next level. How can you get yourself hooked up with a Turn of Grip today? It's simple. You're going to either find it wherever you buy your tennis go the mega Attack, the tackiest grip on the market. Contact sales at uniquesports.com and get started with our friends at Turn to Tennis today. With that in mind, then let's move on to our final quarter of the draw, the Annette Conteve quarter of the draw. And I don't think anyone is picking Annette Conteve to advance out of this section right now. It's, you know, again, I think Socrates is the court of death because you have Keys, as you mentioned. You have Garcia, who have both played so well of late. You have Halep, who's been as consistent as any player this year. Now has a definitive victory. You've got, you know, all of this danger. You you don't have anyone of that caliber that t- I mean you have Jabor in this section she you know she is certainly that caliber uh, just given her longevity throughout the course of this season one of on nine players to rank top twenty five in both hold and break percentage Daria Kasakin as a top five returner on the WTA tour and after first-round losses in Canada and Cincinnati for her to go play Granby, get a win. You're never worried about her fitness, so I really like that decision for her from a confidence standpoint. It's Krachikova before the French Open-esque. Jabour Kasakina are are your two high-profile contenders probably in this section, in terms of the seeds, but of course, there are two names probably lingering above all else. And you look at the seeds just quickly Jabour, Rogers, Kudermatova, Kasakina, last year's finalist, Leila Fernandez, Krachikova, Trevisan, and Kantave. But I think there are two names in this section on everyone else's mind, on everyone's mind, and they're the two names we have to start with. One, Ludmilla Samsonova, who we'll get Absolutely. to, I promise. But let's start with a little bit of bread and butter because we're 30 minutes in and we haven't talked about her. Serena Williams is in this section of the draw. And you look for Serena Williams, who will play Dunka Kovinich in round number one. Then she would potentially draw Annette Conteve, your number two seed, who faces Jacqueline Christiane, uh, Christiane in her first round match. It's Serena's final event. David, you've talked about what Serena Williams has meant to you. I'll open the floor. What are your expectations for Serena in New York?
0: Well, I, I predict, and maybe this is a little hard overhead. I did predict her to win that first round just be, because I think COVID is one of the, how do I say One of the most favorable matchups she could have ever hoped to get. Um, on the hardcore on clay. It's a totally different story. Um, hmm. Serena is just physically starting to fall apart. Uh, and I think I never want to see, and I hope the same thing with Roger, you don't want to see them hold on too long to the point where they start diminishing the red, red, their legacy, you know, and their aura, you know what I mean? And I think Venus honestly is doing that a little bit. Um, Venus is not winning. You mentioned in the last podcast, it could be Venus or Van Oit Bank. She's not beating Van Oit Bank. I will I would put a lot of money down on that. Okay. Um anyways, back to Serena. Yes, she is the greatest women's tennis player of all time. I don't want to hear the Margaret Court BS. That is BS. Um she's the greatest ever. Maybe Steffi and Martina have an argument, but I think Serena is the greatest ever, and I—it's been a pleasure to watch her all these years. And you know, I wish her all the—you know, she's definitely not listening to this. But if if she—if you know—if she listens to Crack (laughs) Racquet, I wish her all the best.
1: Yeah. Well, if she plays Contave, you're picking Contave.
0: I think Contave would blow her out. Yeah.
1: I just don't think Serena's moving well enough in that sort of matchup. I think Conteve does have big enough weapons from the baseline. More importantly, she does such a good job of keeping the ball in the outer third. Serena just wouldn't be able to play from the center. And while she's looked good behind her first serve, it does look—it's not exceptional right now, as typical Serena was even 2019.
0: Yeah, I agree. I completely—I mean, it's not even compared to even— I mean she now just, that
1: good should be good enough to be Kavinich the way it was good enough to I be Paris Diaz in Canada.
0: Yes, but I still am not confident that she can do it. I I would say it's like a I would I don't know what her I I I I forget what her line is, but I would probably put her at minus one thirty for that.
1: Yeah, I'm sure she'll be a favorite. I'll look that up. Let's see via our friends at DraftKings. According to them, as of right now, you look at the first round for the US Open. By the way, Serena Williams, for the first time in so long, not top ten she in terms will of be. odds to win the US Open. Just fun so she, fact.
0: So she probably will be like that minus two hundred, minus two fifty. I think she will she should be minus one third.
1: You look for Serena Williams in her first-round matchup. She is currently minus 370, David.
0: Oh, that's ridiculous. But, that's uh,
1: healthy. Healthy, according yeah. to our friends at Tennis Abstract. By the way, Caroline Garcia, fourth according to DraftKings, plus 1,600 odds to win the event. Tied for third, actually, with Coco Goff. Halep, second, plus 750. Sviantek first, plus 400. That's interesting
0: because two, three, four are all in the same quarter.
1: Yeah, well, uh, and guess who's number five, David? Is it uh, Keys? It's Ludmilla Samsonova at plus eighteen hundred, who's also in this section of the draw. And of so course, earlier
0: this week she was plus sixty five hundred.
1: She's down to plus eighteen hundred. I think it's just via my tweets. Like, do you think I pushed that line?
0: I would say that. Uh, I did not.
1: Possible. No, it's I promise possible. you, I did they not. Did. You know what said it? It's her ten straight victories, winning the City yeah. Open, winning Cleveland winning Cleveland in under six hours of time on court. Five victories in under six hours, David. What she did to Bernardo Parra should be illegal. Like, uh-huh. And she just takes the racket out of her hand. And talking to her throughout the week, she's like, you know, I wasn't even serving well, but I'm returning really well. I'm seeing the ball big, and Talking to a player who hit with her throughout the course of the week, he was talking about her ball, and he was just in awe. He was like, yeah, her ability to just change direction on the forehand, her ability to just—you hit the ball hard at her, she's still going to hit it back harder at you, and the action on her forehand, the drive on her backhand. She comes in as hot as any player in this section, and I think you said all that need to be said on Serena. Of course, worth mentioning how delightful it's going to be to see her on court, how expensive. Over-under— twenty five hundred dollars to get a ticket into ash for that for that match
0: yeah for the lower section probably around there yeah. Upper section, i'm sure you could get like it for a few hundred
1: yeah it's just crazy um it's going to be a scene and if she wins that first round match the second round against contave is going to be exciting and a lot of pressure on contave's shoulders but samsonova is the most interesting player in this section if you're a Definitely. tennis nerd because she's 110 in a row obviously she had that streak on the grass courts last year wins the title beats Benchich in the final has a nice run at wimbledon i want to say fourth round now she's she never made husband, yeah. yeah she's never made the quarterfinals of a major but she is a serena williams power tennis country club heir apparent and you look at her draw you know in her section her seeds are fernandez who has been injured obviously and was able to play some tennis but still has played fewer than 5 matches over the past couple of months Barbara Kvitkaeva, who's playing better but still not at her best, and yeah. you know was a victim of Bernarda Pera in Cleveland, but so was everyone else, and I don't think she played poorly. Or just she just didn't have a weapon to hurt para with, which you need right now. She's not going to have a weapon to hurt Samsonova with, which you need right now. And I look at this section of the draw. I mentioned when we talked about the top half how I'm most confident that and I'm blanking on which play. I'm most confident that I believe it was um, Jessica Pagula is going to get through her 16th of the draw yeah. than anyone else. Samsonova might be second on my list. Like, I am extraordinarily confident that Lumila Samsonova is going to get to the fourth round because she is playing better than every player in her section of the draw definitively. And so it goes Pagula one. And she Pagula's one because she just has more pedigree. But Samsonova's number two. And like... Again, that she's gone from 65 to 1 to 18 to 1. You look at her season, you know, she's currently fourth in terms of hold percentage in this 2022 season. You look for Ludmilla Samsonova. She's holding, uh, I believe, and I want to get this number right, I apologize. Yeah, Excuse me, she's fifth overall. She's holding 76.6% of the time. Again, if she's going to return as well as she did in Cleveland, where she's beaten, you know, again, six wins in under, or five wins in under six hours, I just think she plays on her terms. She takes the racket out of her hand. And when I look at everyone in the bottom half of the draw, the seats, Fernandez, Krachikova, Kantovej, Chervisian. Yes, you have Tom in this section, who's always a tough out physically, but is. Playing better than every player in this section of the draw. And she is my pick to get to the quarterfinals. Like, I, I she's the, she may be a dark horse, but how can you not pick her with how good she's looked, you know, in this hardcore stretch, beating Krachikova, beating Para, beating, Sa- Radic- or not Krachikova, excuse me, beating Para, beating Sasanovic, beating Kanepi, Radakanu, Mertens, Tomjanovic. She's gotten good wins, but more importantly, not only is she playing extraordinary power tennis, but she's blending that power tennis by beating everyone she's supposed to beat. It just hasn't been erratic the way it has been in the past and I think she's getting to the I think she's getting to at least the quarterfinals.
0: I agree I actually have I also have her I actually have her in the semifinal so um wow. I, you know, the proof is in the pudding and her results yeah. are really.
1: What do you think bad. makes her special? What is it about her game that appeals to you?
0: Serve forehand. Uh, okay. and I just think that the way that she's cracking the ball is I, comparable to how Kvitova was playing in Cincinnati in terms of just totally overwhelming her opponents with pace. And you don't see that very often in the WTA door and. I just, and you're right, and this is also what I would consider the most, the weakest section, the weakest quarter of the draw of the four, and I think that, especially given her draw, especially given that Krajikova is completely out of form, Kind of a not
1: completely out of form again. Well, she not looked completely. better in Cleveland, and getting to watch Krachikova play, uh, you know. Again, you look for her overall on the season. Obviously, she started the re- year really well before getting injured. But now you look for Barbara Krachikova over the course of the past couple of months. You know, quarters in Hamburg before getting knocked out by Potapova, losses to Habino in Prague, Pliskova, Toronto, Kudermatova in Cincinnati, then Para in Cleveland. Her wins are Lamens. For, you know, since coming back from injury, Golubic, Zenevska, Lamins, Freak, Blinkova, and Di Lorenzo. Like I think she beats Contreras in round number one. I think she can even, she'll probably win round number two as well. But I would take Samsonova over her immediately. I agree Absolutely. with you.
0: Yeah, and then Fernandez, who she play in the second round. I saw her in Toronto. She did not play well. She did not look good. Um, so.
1: Well, I just think for Samsonova or for Fernandez to have to face that sort of power tennis while you're still working your way back into form, you're just never going to be ready for that sort of ball.
0: Absolutely. Um, And then Trevisan, I mean, it's like...
1: Well, she's... Yeah, she's banged up. I think Tom is probably in the... Well, I think Tom Contave is probably the matchup in that bottom half in the third round to see who gets to the fourth. And... I mean, again, that's a pick I would take Tom- Kontovay because I think Tomjanovic is a good matchup for her. Like, you kind of need a weapon to hurt Kontovay with.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's hard- so hard to trust Kontovay, but yeah, I agree.
1: But I then agree, Samsonova yeah. has that weapon. And so yeah. I have Samsonova coming out of the bottom half. You do as well. Let's move on then to that top half. Seeds, Jabour, Rogers, Kudermetova, Kasakina, which, I mean, again— which way are you leaning? Who are I? Obviously, Cerebas Torrano, you always have your eye on <laughs> outside of that. I mean, do you really want to make a Mandalik case or like a Coco Vandeway case? Not yeah. really.
0: I this, love Mandalik though.
1: Well, I mean, she's got some game. There's no doubt about that, but you're right. This quarter of the draw leaves you a little, I mean, obviously you have Snow and Serena, which is two fantastic storylines, I mean, is is Sakina the pick here, David? Is that who you're leaning with, and if so, why?
0: Yes, because I I love how she moves the ball around the court. I with you know she has her in terms of her ability from both wings to place the ball perfectly and move opponents side to side. It's Hugo Delianakis esque, um, and that's how. And I think that her defense, her counterpunching, her variety—it's all you know. I don't know. Uh, you know, we're talking about Samsonova winning Washington and uh Cleveland. Well, Kazakina won Grand B and San Jose. So she's also won two titles um during the hardcore summer hardcore season. So I really think she's in form. She's playing well. Um, and she's in a weaker section. And so I have her in the quarterfinals playing Samsonaba. Um I have do you want me to say who I have her beating? Uh yeah, please. I actually have her beating Cerebus Tormo in the fourth round.
1: Of course you do. If Cerebus Tormo's do I mean, so why not Owens?
0: Because I don't trust Owens in heat and humidity, and I thought she looked pretty poor in Cincinnati.
1: I mean, she beats, so she beats in Cincinnati, obviously, Katie McNally, and then gets I mean, knocked off by Kvitova. But-, but she got knocked off by Kvitova in three sets. Kvitova goes on to the final, and I agree she didn't look her best, but these courts are a little quicker. You know, she's able to hit through these courts well. The variety, Brangle's a great first-round matchup for her to find her legs. Yeah. And then whether it's Mandalik or Zidanzik, I like that matchup. I don't If it's Serebez-Tormo, I actually think that's the best possible matchup for Jabor. Shelby Rogers plays the sort of power of tennis that can at least disrupt Jabour's rhythm, not allow her to get into her slices and bags of tricks. I actually think this draw opens up really well for Jabor and that there's not a definitive... Power tennis player in her. Oh, I mean, I guess Rogers is the one. But I, I do you trust? I mean, Shelby can definitely beat Owns in a va yeah. Like if yeah. she plays her best. <laughs> but I actually like Owns in that matchup. And then again, Kudamotova serves well. But I think Jabor beats her, even though they played in San Jose, right? I wanna say they did and that Kudermatova ended up beating Jabour. If memory Jabor
0: has not had a great summer hardcore season. Yeah,
1: Jabour lost to Kudermatova six and two. She had her chances though in that first set in San Jose to Kudermatova, lost to Junction when had to retire in Toronto again. The three set loss to Kavitova at the US Open. Uh, hasn't been great, but it hasn't been horrible. I
0: mean to, she had when she should have probably lost to Katie McNally. And, but uh, didn't, and, and then she was, you know, yes, she quote, I mean, technically lost in three sets to Kvitova, but the two sets she lost, she was completely blown off, you know, dominated in that in the first and third sets of that match.
1: I just, I trust Owens. I do. She's one of, again, the nine players to rank top 25 in hold and break percentage. You can count on one hand the bad losses she suffered this summer, uh, this season, and you look for her 38 and 13, winning 75% of her matches. You know, again, losing to Daria Seville first round Indian Wells, a surface that's always going to be tough for her. I don't think that's a – I mean, it's a bad loss, but that's one. First round to Magda at Roland Garros, three sets, that's bad horrible. loss. That's two, but both of her bad losses were still in three sets. Like, that, yeah. like that's, that would be my argument. She has two bad losses this year. The she rest aren't that magazine. bad.
0: She lost to Magna Lynette on clay. Yeah, but do you that's think that's really gonna bad.
1: do you think that's gonna happen again? Like she's gonna lose another bad no, match at I, the US Open.
0: Here's what I see happening is I see Cerebus Tormo dragging her out into a three hour war in the heat and humidity, and I don't think she'll hold on.
1: I don't think Cerebus Tormo gets through Shelby Rogers. I think that's Shelby blitzes. Yeah, I think Shelby serves through her. And then I think Jabour, because of the speed of that match, I think she'll be able to keep pace. I think she'll be I think she'll fare well in that matchup. I have Shabor Sampsonova in my uh-huh. quarterfinal. I just and it's then fair. I just again I I think Kasakina beats Kudermatova. I know that's pretty chalk, but that whole section that's just very meh. Like if Donavecich beats Kudermatova, that would be the most shocking thing that's going to happen in that section. I think Kasakina gets through comfortably. And I just don't think Kasakina has the weapon to hurt Owens with. I think Owens is going to have the opportunity to play her slices and down the lines and the passes and move forward comfortably because Kasakina will offer her those chances. I think it's a really good draw for Owens to get things back on track. I think the Brangle matchup again, round one, is perfect for her. I think it's going to be Owens versus Samsonova in my quarterfinal. But I'm sorry, I'm taking Samsonova. I was there for it. Again, the first serve, the pace she's able to generate, the weapons that she has, she does have the sort of weapons to disrupt Jabour's rhythm. And I think she's playing better than Shelby Rogers right now. I am taking Samsonova. I know it's a hot take. I just saw her win in Cleveland, but she's 10-0 during this hard court summer. I don't think it's that hot takey. I'm taking her over Jabour. You'll take Samsonova over Kasatkina. I mean, yeah. I guess to finish out this section, any other first rounds we didn't talk about you're at least interested in? Uh, it's uh, not the best section. Like, Mukova-Tamjanovic, that that's probably the best first-round match. Is, well, what about... Uh, Mandelik-Zidoncic's not horrible. I mean, Trevor Serena... Tom rodina <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Serena, by virtue of being Serena, has to be on that list. But, like, it's not the best section. With that said, to round out this podcast, David, you have Samsonova taking on Madison Keys. I already mentioned I have Simona Halp advancing to the final. You have versus Samsonova. Who you got?
0: I got Samsonova. I'm, run, I'm riding this train till it's wow. off the track.
1: that is So you have a Rabakina-Samsonova final. Talk me through that.
0: How does that go? I just think that Rabakina has been in the moment before and that she will have – and she has the more – Reliable power game, I would say, of the two, more just we've seen it longer term, you know, holding up under that pressure. You know, Samsonova could very well have a 2017 Madison Keys type of performance, That's, or a Lisicki in 2013 Wimbledon.
1: It's quite the case, David. Uh, I mean, look, she is playing that well for Samsonova. Still, to see her make her first final after never making a quarterfinal at the Slam, I suppose that happened last year for both Rodicanu and Fernandez. So it wouldn't be that crazy. I'm taking Halep. I just, again, I was yeah. there for her. I was so impressed by that first round win at Cincinnati, just the sheer power of will for her. And I thought she played so well in Canada as well, even when, like, again, she found herself, she served her, she served for sets, like, it served for matches in her opening three matches, got broken each of those times, and yet got right back on the horse. I think getting the confidence of getting that, finally, I win at my first title, and it's at this sort of stage, or, you know, win my first big title of the year, And to do it in Canada and run through the path that she did, again, given—and we've talked about it all this time and we talked about it a lot in the top half preview—the inconsistency of so many players, I think she's the most consistent of the bunch. Like, I just know what I'm going to get from her, and I do think physically she's got seven matches in her, particularly with the day off in between matches— I'll take Halep over Samsonova, whose run I just think semifinal's fine, but Halep's going to make enough balls to just disrupt the rhythm. She's going to serve well enough. That first serve, going to get into the body of Samsonova, which when you do, you can draw some errors. I just think Samsonova's run ends there. I'm going to take Halep versus Fiontek in the final, and I'm going to go with Simona because I just— I think this is the open for her. I think this is the run. And I think those have been the two best players this season from start to finish. And to see them play in a slam final is the last Grand Slam match of the 2022 season we deserve. And after all of the chaos, I just think that's what the tennis gods are going to gift us is, you know what? Here are your two best players. Let's see them play. And what, by the way, I think has been a really good season for Halep?
0: I want to ask you something. When you say two best players, two best players or two best Most consistent. No, wait. Most consistent players. Or two best active players?
1: Your two most – well, no, I'm not including Barty in this conversation. Your two best active players, yes. Barty,
0: I think, is number two for me.
1: I think from start to finish of the season, Halep and Sviantek have been the most consistent players. And I I would love to see them play in a Grand Slam final. I'm picking that based on, in all the uncertainty, give me the two surest things in the draw.
0: That's super fair, and I definitely took It's some- the
1: most basic thing you can do, but I'm doing it. And then I just think Halp's best right now is a little bit better than Igas, who's just been a little too inconsistent for me.
0: I think it's all fair, and I think that maybe I took too many risks, but- No,
1: I really like your Robachna pick. I'm jealous of it. I mean, we're both high on Samsonova, obviously. we Do you know is the only semifinalist we agree on?
0: But I think that makes sense, right? Because yeah. there's just so much uncertainty. Absolutely. I was saying earlier today, or yeah, maybe it was yesterday, it's like throwing darts to try to figure out the WTA right now, Um, especially now that Sviatek is not the sure thing that she used to be, you know, earlier this season, you know, where in the French Open, I think everyone penciled her in for the title easily, you know.
1: Yeah, no, you are 100% correct. I'm glad you said it. And again, last thing I would point out here since this is part two and I didn't say this in part one, your odds, according to our friends at DraftKings. Number one, Iga Swiatek 400. Two, Halep, plus 750. Three, Goff and Garcia, both 16 to one. We didn't talk that much Coco Goff. I mean, it's a tough draw for her. She's in that group of death. And again, for her, she'd have to go through a Keys, then a Halup, then probably a Garcia or a Dodd-Maya just to get to the semifinals. And while she's made a lot of quarterfinals this year, she's, I believe, four and eight against top 20 opponents or four and nine maybe she's had a lot of swings at it and has played better of late but tough to see again it's a really tough draw for her uh, Samsonova has shot up again from 65 to one she and Sabalenka tied for fifth at plus 1800 Rabakina seventh at 20 to one then Jabour, Benchich, keys and Haddad Maya all tied for eighth at 25 to one I mean, those are the group of players who we all spoke about. Again, our semifinalists, Samsonova, Halep, Sviantek, and Jabour for me are, are not, excuse me, Samsonova, Halep, Sviantek, and um, Halep, Sviantek, and who's my other semifinalist? I'm blanking right. And Sabalenka are all in the top 10. For yours, Keyes is there. Samsonova's there. is there. The only one missing for you is Jessica Pagula, who would be 12th on this list, by the way. She's the next one missing. Yeah, it, it checks out. According to Tennis Abstract, Ega number one at 27.3%. After that, it's a pretty big drop. Shaboor is at 7%. You've got Goff at 4.2. Halep is 13.1, so she's the second favorite. But it's really Shvantec, Halep, in the rest of the field, according to Tennis Abstract. And so with that said, David, any final thoughts before we wrap this two-part extravaganza? I just want to thank
0: you again for
1: having. Uh, you never me. have yeah. to thank you, my friend.
0: But I know I. I it's always fun, and uh, it's always interesting to hear your takes. And so, yeah, I mean, I think that we're both kind of on the same page in the sense that it's just kind of wide open. So, but in our list of contenders, I think that all of your semifinalists are fair, and I'm, and I can see, I can totally see those four you know, being there instead of, you know, with the exception of Sam's son of a, my four. Yeah, sure.
1: I think it's gonna be a really fun tournament. And again, as we spoke about wide open, it feels as open as any slam we've had in the past five years. With that said, one last time, David, what are you up to throughout the course of this slam? Where can we read you? What will you be doing?
0: So I've been doing a lot of uh, last word on tennis, the predictions for the men's matches. And then for the women's matches, I've been writing, A lot uh, for Action Network.
1: Yeah. And you will continue to be doing so throughout the course of the tournament?
0: Yep. For the women's. uh, For the women's stuff
1: that's what we love to hear. Well, David Gertler, thank you as always for taking the time to chat with us. And uh, again, I do apologize for the loss of your dog. Obviously, if this Aww. was this is all therapeutic for you, then that means we're doing our job here at Cracked Rackets. And I assure you, we will have you back on the show at some point during this major to talk about everything that unfolds.
0: Yeah. Thanks again, Alex. And uh, yeah, Ghost Arena.
1: <laughs> i love to hear. Well, David, take care. We will talk to you soon.
0: Bye. No,